0: Right here beside me. Okay, all right. Is uh, Mariah Richter here this morning? Mariah, can we get you to stand? Where are you? Mar- Where is she? Oh, there is Mariah. Mariah has just returned after spending two years in Brazil in a place called João Pessoa. She finished two years of ministry. Next month, she's going to be getting married, and she's going to be continuing her ministry with her husband down in Bolivia. And we just want to say we are so grateful for you and so thankful for your life, your ministry, and we want to sing to you a song that we sing to our missionaries when they are back here with us. We love you with. And all the church said, Thank you. (laughs) Hey, before we pray, just a reminder to get out the sermon outlines. On the front, it'll say Reboot. It should say February 16th, Lesson number three, Relationships. Questions for small groups that are meeting tonight are going to be down at the bottom of that page. And then on the back, we have the MPG, the Memorize, Pray, and Glorify. There's a scripture from Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that we're going to ask you to, uh, to memorize this week. There are some things for you to think about as you pray this week. And then some very specific activities and, and perhaps even a ministry kinds of things that you might do to glorify God this week, especially in light of thinking about relationships this week. Now, as we have... Uh, have done just about every sermon in the last 20 years. Let's ask God to bless us in prayer. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, join your hearts, and let's ask for God's blessing. Father, we're grateful for all of the blessings that we have in Christ. They're so innumerable and they're like stars in the sky, sands on the beach. When we think about the greatness of the love and the way that it's poured out into us, our hearts, into our lives, to our loved ones. All of our experiences and circumstances and situations. And it's our prayer, Father, that as we grow in the likeness of your Son, Jesus, that we bring glory to you and that we be a blessing to the people in this community. And it begins, Father, with a very powerful witness of the change that you bring into our own life. That this is not just uh, the, 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 the acknowledgement of certain kinds of truths, which it is, but it is also how those truths make a difference in the way that we live, our values, our affections, our relationships. And so we ask as we study this morning, Father, that you will give us eyes and ears to discern and to know and to have truth embedded in our hearts in such a way that we are changed. And this we ask in the name of Jesus and everyone said. Well, as you know from the the title uh, slide, we're in our series that we're calling Reboot. It's a study of humans. It's a study of how human beings change. And we're using the word reboot in this way. You think of a computer. A computer has to kind of stop. When it bogs down, it has to stop. It has to put off some things. It has to undo some things. It has to unload some things so that it can begin doing things differently and start up differently again. And that's the, the terminology of reboot. And when it comes to humans, there are three truths that necessitate a reboot. The first is we are broken, which we are more than we realize, and we need to change. Secondly, our history is repeatable, and it will repeat if we don't change. And then number three, God wants to reboot our life so that we can change. And so the big truth that is the thread throughout this entire series is this. God wants to give you a new life where you think you only need a new leaf. We talk to people all the time that talk about starting, uh, uh, you know, they need to turn over a new leaf. They need to, to do some things in life differently. Share this line with them. This is a way that you minister to people in our community, is by giving them not just the hope that they can change, but the change is not, not just a new leaf that they're going to turn over one part of their life, but they are going to experience a new life. God wants to give you a new life where you think you only need a new leaf. And the first part of this sermon series dealt with what we call the rebirth. When you begin your life as a disciple of Jesus, you may look like the same old you on the outside, but a completely different you is happening on the inside. And when you become a disciple of Jesus, you are forgiven. But it's so much more. There is so much more that's going on inside of you. It's just like when an infant is born into a family. When you're given rebirth into the family of God, you are growing up into someone who looks like your father, or in other words, you're going to look like his perfect son, his ultimate son, Jesus of Nazareth. And last week, we looked at this really important aspect of of this new life. And it's this word, responsibility. You and you alone are responsible for your life. You and you alone are are responsible for your life. And repentance, that big biblical word, is foundational to this. Repentance means that you're taking responsibility for your life. Repentance means that you're initiating change, that you're going to move your life in a different direction. You're going to do things differently, and most importantly, you're going to move your dependence on God. In other words, you know, another way of saying repentance is coming to our senses. And the key thought that we put together for last week is this. If you're bent, you need to repent. If you're bent and you are, there are things about you that need to change and it all stems from a, a, from, from being human. And because that's true, you need to repent. And here's how you do it. You, number one, take responsibility for your life. Number two, you get honest about your life and the part that you play in all of your past and recent and present failures. And then number three, you rely on God's love and power to enact those changes in your life and God's love and God's power becomes the context for your life. Now the next concept we're going to look at this morning is relationships. Relationships. I want to take you first before we jump into why you need these relationships. I, I want to take us back to this um, to the very beginning. In, in Genesis 1 and 2 uh, we find three gigantic truths about human beings about really about all of life. And the first one is found, the first truth in the Bible is this. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. The first gigantic big truth in the Bible is God. There is a God. In the beginning, there is God. Second, in the same verse, that God created the heavens and the earth. And then the third big truth is found in Genesis chapter 2, and it's, it's not good for a man to be alone. Third big truth, it's not good for human beings male or female, to be alone. Why? Because a relational God, this is the, 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 uh, the theology of the Trinity, it's God the Father relating to God the Son, who's loving God the Spirit, who's loving God the Father, a relational God has created in their image and in their likeness, relational human beings. Write this down someplace on that piece of paper. Human beings are relational. That's a gigantic truth about your life as a disciple of Jesus, that you are a relational human being. You and I were built for relationships. We have a spiritual relationship with God. We enter a family relationship at birth. One day we might enter into a marital relationship. At work we have collegial relationships. If you were in college, it's a possibility that you were part of a fraternal or a sororal type of relationship. Human beings were built for relationships. A human is relational so much so that loneliness is debilitating. Back in 2011, BBC pronounced loneliness the hidden killer of the elderly in England. A Psychology Today article from about a year ago states that loneliness can be as lethal as smoking 15 cigarettes a day that's loneliness. And this is why this truth has got to sink in. It is not good for a man to be alone. And this is incredibly important as we live our lives as disciples of Jesus. So last week we looked at, or we put together a little phrase for you to remember about the importance of change and repentance. If you're bent, you need to repent. This week it's this, we need friends from beginning to end. We need friends from beginning to end. The course of life my life, your life, all of our lives together, they, they demand companions for life. We need friends. We, we don't do life alone. We don't do life solo. And I want to give you three reasons to develop friendships that will help you from beginning to end. Now, when it comes to developing friendships, you know as well as I do that there are all kinds of different friendships. We'll define friendship in just a minute. But it's so important that we choose carefully. Tim Keller has said about friends, in early life, you are what your family makes you. Later in life, you are what your friends make you. And just about every sociological study that of adolescence through early adulthood confirms that this is right, that there comes a point where the influence of the parents turns to the influence of, of friends and, of, and of, of, of acquaintances and partners in life. And so we're reminded Proverbs chapter 12, the righteous choose their friends carefully. Let's say that together. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Proverbs chapter 18, just a couple of chapters later. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. That's why you need to be very diligent and wise and and proactive and, and intentional. When it comes to choosing your friends, and for our purposes this morning, I'm going to give you a definition of friend. A friend is someone who knows you intimately. A friend is someone who knows you intimately, loves you deeply, shares the same truth profoundly, and keeps you on the path constantly. Let me say that again. A friend is someone who knows you intimately, loves you deeply, shares the same truths that you have profoundly, and keeps you on the path constantly. And so here are three reasons you need a friend in your life as a disciple of Jesus. You need a friend who will, number one, speak truth into your life. You need someone in your life who can tell you the truth. You need somebody that can speak the truth in love into your life. Proverbs 27. Wounds from a friend, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses, couple of verses later, as iron sharpens what? So one person sharpens another. Everyone needs a friend who will verify who they are. That's one of the, the, the roles that a friend plays in your life. They verify and re-verify and confirm and reconfirm who you are. There are going to be days of doubt. And some of those days of doubt are going to be in the most important areas of your life. You're going to have doubts about yourself as to whether or not you're doing a good job as a spouse or what you're supposed to do as a spouse. And there are going to be times when you have doubts about parenting. anybody Parents, anybody ever have bad days where they're wondering, am I doing the right thing or am I the only one? There are days as an employee. You wonder, you know, and... Am I I doing the right thing? Or maybe as a boss. Or maybe as a coach. And there are just going to be days, you know, just even as a human being, you're going to think to yourself, or you're going to ask yourself the question, man, am I even doing a good job of being a human being? Sometimes people are going to say things about you that aren't true, just to hurt you. And sometimes people are going to say things that are true, just to hurt you. And others will try to hurt your faith or make you doubt God or doubt your salvation, doubt your worth, doubt your significance, doubt your position, doubt your name, doubt everything about you. Sometimes you will let your life get away from you and you will begin to veer from the path. Nobody falls away. What happens is slowly but surely, degree by degree, we begin to walk away. And woe to the man who doesn't have a friend who will speak truth into his life. And it's, it's on those days that you need a friend who knows you intimately and loves you deeply and shares the same truth profoundly who will keep you on the path constantly because they speak that truth into your heart. And they can do it because they know, or you know that they know you. They can do it because they've been with you in the darkest moments of your life. They can do that because they've proven themselves time and time again to have your best interest at heart. And you trust them to tell you the truth, even if it feels like wounds. Now, not everybody that comes in your life, you know, here's the deal. Everybody has, every man, every woman has ten opinions. That's just life. And a lot of those folk who have a dozen opinions about everything feel that they have the right to express those. Not everyone who comes and speaks... What they consider to be a truth is actually speaking a truth into your life, but sometimes it's kind of hard to know, especially in those moments that we, those, those places of our life that we really care about. And when somebody comes in and talks to us about something, they just kind of barge into our life, we need a true friend to be able to verify who we are in light of all of these things that we're being told. You need number one, someone that can speak truth into your life. Number two, you need a friend who will shoulder your burdens with you. You know, it's a fact in life that no one gets through this life without bumps and scrapes and bruises or worse. And great friends will always be with you. Great friends are are always with you, even in the darkest moments. Great friends are like stars. They shine brightest in the darkest night. They stand behind you to support you. They stand in front of you to protect you. They stand beside you to help you. And this is why Solomon says in Proverbs 17, A friend loves at what? All times. At all times. Ran across this, uh, this quote. I wish I had the graphic abilities to... To, to put something together with it. But this, and it's an anonymous quote, but it just, it's one of those that you just never forget it when you see it. Friends come and go like waves of the ocean, but the true ones stick like an octopus on your face. <laughs> we'll get Richard on that one. <laughs> you know, there are going to be moments in this life that are going to get the best of you, that are going to be beyond you, that are going to outweigh you, they're going to bully you and beat you into the ground unless you have a friend. The Apostle Paul was someone who knew what it was like to have friends stand beside him, and he knew what it was like to have friends desert him when the going got tough. And he knew, what you know, being a disciple of Jesus in the first century or in the 21st century, not an easy thing to do. And having somebody that stands beside you in those tough moments where the faith, you know, when the rubber is really hitting the road and your faith is being ground or your faith is being tested or your faith is up on the chopping block, you know, to have a friend who stands beside you when you feel alone, that was something that he knew to be very, very important. And so he's writing to all of these churches in the area of Galatia. And he sees that these folk are not ready to to stand beside each other when it comes to the tough times of faith. And he writes to them towards the end of the book. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The wisest man who ever lived, second only to Jesus, wrote these words. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. In uh, uh, verse 12, just two verses later. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. A true friend is the one who doesn't call and say, you know, if there's anything I can do, just let me know. A true friend knows to be there. Now, I'm not putting down saying that. You know, listen, we carry each other's burdens and, and you know there are times when we don't really know what to do but we want people to know that we love them and we care and that we're going to be available and so we say to them, if you need anything, call me. But there is one who stands between that person and you and that is the friend who knows exactly what you need. They are so intimately tied with you. They have walked with, with you for so long that they know what you need and they know when to be there. They know when to listen. They know when to speak. You need a friend like that. And then number three, you will need a friend to be a safe place for, you, for your life. I want to read just a couple of verses here and then some comments as we, we get ready to close out. The Proverbs 17, just a reminder, a friend loves when? A friend loves when, church? A friend loves at all times. And all of those times you know, are not great times. It's just the nature of life that there are going to be rough spots. And at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You know, there is just those moments in life that we experience a strength and a peace and a comfort that comes from God, and a refreshment, and, and, and the optimism to be able to look ahead one more day when these tragedies hit our life. And it's those experiences that make us wise, and it's those experiences that teach us what is the wise thing, the wise counsel, the, the, the wise listening to do when we encounter our friends who are struggling with something and to be able to pass on to them what it is that we have received from God so that as they run into people, their friends, who are struggling with the same kinds of things, they can pass that comfort on. And then in James 5, the brother of Jesus says, Confess your sins to each other. It's about having someone that you know so well in terms of their love for you, their care for you, their their sympathy for you, their gentleness with you, their kindness with you, that you feel that this is a person that you could go and talk to about anything, especially the worst things about your life. I have been blessed throughout my entire life. You know, there have been things that I have not been blessed with, and there are things that I have gone without, But there has never been a moment in my life where I did not have someone that I considered to be a safe person to talk to. Why do we catch ourselves saying from time to time, I was just kidding? The reason we say that, well, you know, it's possible that we're having an insensitive day. But mainly it's because we're not emotionally connected enough to know that those words might be hurtful. And so having that person who's safe, having that person that is emotionally connected is is, is of such great importance for those moments that are sad beyond words. Having a, a friend who is emotionally connected to us is so important for those moments when healing will only come when the secrets of our hearts are revealed so that we will not be ruined. Having a friend, a a safe place for us to speak is for those times when taking responsibility for our life and saying, today is the day when it's going to be different. I am going to rely on God. I don't know what God's going to do. But today is the day in which I am going to to not, with all of my might, allow those past and, and recent failures to affect my future. I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to pray to God and I'm looking for God's love and I'm looking for God's power. But I want that friend that, that I can that's safe when, when taking responsibility for my life and my heart and my soul and my mind and my family is frightening. And so one encouragement this morning is find a friend. Find a friend. And you know, a lot of times... A lot of times, you know, we, again, it's not taking responsibility. I don't, I don't have anyone. I don't know anyone. I, you know, take responsibility. And you, the way that you make a friend is by starting to be a friend. That's how you do it. You start being a friend, and then lo and behold, there are these friends that begin to appear in your life. Let me give you a practical way to do that. Show up at small group tonight. You may have never have been to small group. You were assigned one. You remember where it is. Show up tonight. You may be nervous because you haven't been there, but you want friends. Show up tonight with 50 donuts. and uh, Tacos. No, I'm just, I'm just I'm kidding. Take responsibility. Be a friend and invite somebody to coffee. Invite somebody to lunch, breakfast. Man, there are a jillion coffee shops in this place, in this, in this city. I mean, there's Starbucks and Black Rifle Company and and Commonwealth and and Local and and La Taza, Prima, and all of these different invite somebody for coffee or tea or whatever. Uh, Invite somebody to breakfast, invite somebody to lunch, invite somebody out to dinner, invite them to your house. And here are the first words you say. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. And there's something that just ties people together when they sit down and they're sharing bread. They're sharing a meal together. And they just begin to tell each other their stories. And maybe the first time or the tenth time or or somewhere in there, you know, you still haven't quite found that person. But you take responsibility to be a friend to somebody else and that friend will appear. That friend will appear. And all you're doing is what Christ did. All you're doing is what Christ did. Christ spoke truth into our lives, did He not? And and Christ shouldered the burdens that we couldn't carry. And, And Christ was the safest of places. He was the ultimate safe place when it came to the wrath of God. He's the one that took wounds that were meant for us so that by His wounds we might be healed. He was the one who became forsaken in order that we would never be forsaken. And He is the one that is always saying, Come. Come to me. Come to me, weary, heavy laden, burdened, anxiety-ridden, stress-filled. Come, come to me. He is the ultimate friend. There are ways that we can minister to you this morning. We're going to have shepherds down here at the front. We want you to come down and talk to them. Pray with them perhaps after the assembly, while right now we stand and we praise God together. Let's stand and sing.